Thursday live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lay. Yeah, I mean, we, we teach our quarterbacks, you know, they've got a variety of reads on all, on all different plays, whether it's a drop back pass, uh, you know, if there happens to be a run pass option, or, you know, whatever the, um, the situation calls for. And so, I mean, you know, James' development on any any type of play that we're running, it, it, it all comes down to the base fundamentals, and uh, you know, he's really doing a good job of, of buying into what we're asking him to do and how to do it. And then you know, obviously he brings his, his skills and talents to, to each situation, and that's the same with every quarterback and really each position that we have. Oh, the Zoom calls and audio sometimes makes you miss the old way of doing things, doesn't it? There's some benefits about everything that's transpired with Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and then there's some not-so-great benefits. like the sound of that. By the way, Mike Norvell wowed uh, and impressed. Am I being a little overdramatic? Probably. At a luncheon today to introduce the team. And I actually have to listen to it. I just haven't been running around a little bit, and I hadn't had a chance to listen to it, but I will probably play a little bit of it. Uh, but I know some folks that uh, were telling me they were really impressed uh, with the luncheon today. And uh, Mike Norvell, you know, he does all the little things Norvell does. And will that show up? Because if you really think about it, Willie Taggart and this Florida State team did all the little things wrong. I mean, they couldn't get lined up. So it just fixing those things, buttoning up that attention to detail, I think we'll see a big difference. With Florida State here in 2020, I don't know what that means and how that transcends to wins and, and other things, uh, but it will look better. I got a feeling it's going to look better in Tallahassee. It all starts on Saturday afternoon, 3.30 against Georgia Tech. Uh, the word is that Jeff Sims from Sandalwood High School, who was committed to Florida State, now at Georgia Tech, could start as a true freshman. That's the word kind of leaking out. We'll see if that does take place. Uh, Georgia Tech, not very good. Florida State, we have no idea. I think they're 12.5-point favorites last I checked uh, to win the game on Saturday. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau here, and we go to Tallahassee right now. Gene Williams from Warchant.com joins us. Gene, thanks for taking a few moments. Do you have any idea what to expect on Saturday afternoon from the Knowles? <laughs> hey, I'm just pinching myself that we have football. I didn't think we were going to have it a few weeks ago, so this is fantastic. But, uh yeah, I, I think we're going to have a small crowd out there. We know that for sure because they're limiting seating. But, you know, Renegade Osceola are going to be there, Marching Chiefs, and uh, we're going to have football 3.30 on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, though, depending on what it looks like, that could wear off about a quarter in. <laughs> Everybody happy to have football back. Uh, do you expect – I kind of just said that as we're introducing you. You know, the one thing about Willie Taggart in those last couple of years that was very frustrating, I think, as just a fan of football maybe, but uh, probably and definitely for FSU fans, just the little things they could not do right. I mean, just getting set up for a play at times looked hard. I feel like Norvell, with all his attention to detail, and he's had a couple issues since he's arrived, but his attention to detail, I feel like those kind of things will be more buttoned up. Uh, are you expecting the same? Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that struck me with uh, dealing with Coach Norvell ever since he uh, he came on, was hired last December, and talking to people around him is just how over-the-top organized he is. And it's the first thing that President Thrasher and uh, Athletic Director David Coburn mentioned when they were going through the hiring process. It just blew them away. All the, you know, every detail he's at, you know, you, you talk to some of the players and they've got 
we've got plans on top of plans on top of plans, and you hear him talk about in practice that he's he's coming up with every possible contingency that can happen uh, in a in a game. And he mentioned the thing: there's a new rule about if there's a rain delay of a certain extent, that they'll just basically bypass halftime, and they were practicing that. Just all kinds of things you would just never think of. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a good point. If nothing else, I think you're going to see a team. It's able to get lined up that, you know, more often a team that, you know, last year led the nation in penalties. I think you'll see a reduction in that. And just overall more competent play on the field. Now, how many wins that's going to translate to, we'll have to see. There's still a few pretty big gaping holes in this team, but I think the product you'll look at will be markedly better. Your new home for Florida State football here in the Jacksonville area is ESPN 690, not only football, but basketball as well uh, here in Northeast Florida. Gene Williams from Warchant.com joining us right now as the Knowles will take on Georgia Tech 3.30 game on Saturday afternoon. And all eyes are on the offense, right? I mean, you think Norvell, you think offense. And if that part can move a little bit, if that part can go and look the it look like real football and, and they're, they're moving the ball up and down the field, I feel like that would be at least an early season and win over these first couple of weeks. Yeah, if you can see some some consistency on that side of the ball, uh, like I said, a reduction in penalties, reduction in turnovers. He named, uh, you know, a few days ago, named James Blackman as the starting quarterback. So he, he's got a ton of starts under his belt. But it's been, uh, if you're an FSU fan, you know, man, it's been Tums moments with him. And you get to ulcers, kind of it's so, so erratic, his play. If he can get a little consistency out of him and, you know, get that offensive line, which has just been atrocious the last couple of years, just blocking a little bit up front for the run and protecting the passer. Yeah, that would do wonders for this team. But I, we'll talk about probably here in a minute. But I, really, the strength of this team is going to be on the other side of the ball. I think the, the defense is just when you look at the players, the amount of NFL talent on that side of the ball. I mean, they should be lights out this season. Gene Williams with us from Warchant.com. Uh, go back to the offensive line for a moment because it's been an eyesore. It's been awful. Even yeah. going back to Jimbo, even when he had some success, it still wasn't unbelievable. Uh, and, and definitely it faded and really faded under Willie Taggart. My question, can Norvell fix that quick enough, though? I mean, are there some expectations that will be better just because it's been so bad? Uh, or is he going to need another year or two to really fix it? Well, it, the positive is it's got nowhere to go but up. If you look at some of the, the metrics, one of them is we use pro football focus at FSU's offensive line, 129 out of 130. Interestingly, Georgia Tech was 130, so you're going to have some real bad <laughs> offensive line play this Saturday. But, yeah, you know, he brought in Alice Atkins, who's a highly regarded coach, to come and coach the offensive line, you, at least what we're hearing from the players. They seem a lot more positive, and they really shook it up. I mean, it's going to be almost a completely different offensive line. I mean, he went. We had two seniors that were competing for the starting center job, and when they announced the depth chart the other day, of a redshirt freshman is going to be starting there over two seniors. So, I mean, they're they're really starting from scratch. So, yeah, I do think you're going to see some improvement. Is it going to be a good offensive line? Probably not. Probably not even an average offensive line. But man, if they can just be somewhat serviceable. Because I think Coach Norvell is going to do a real good job of putting his players in a position to succeed. So I don't think he's going to have, you know, James Blackman drop back there for long drops to read the defense while you know while he gets pummeled. But I think if they can just block a little bit up front, it'll dramatically help that offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Gene Williams with us from Warchant.com. Uh, Brent Martin here, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You can listen to the Knowles against Georgia Tech 330 right here on ESPN 690 in the Jacksonville area. Uh, let's stay on offense for one more moment. And how special is Murray and Terry? And how vital is it that he's back to give James Blackman and Mike Norvell that kind of weapon? 
it's it's something special. I mean, this is a guy that I mean, you you watch him play, and you're just like, why is he not playing on Sundays? I mean, it was kind of it was a shock that he came back. But I think one of the things was he wasn't refined. Sure, he's six four, runs a four four, can jump to the jump to the gym roof. But you know, he didn't have much of a route tree. You know, he you know obviously he was just a, a deep ball guy. So I think he wanted to refine his game so he can move up in the uh, the NFL draft. But man, that guy is just insane. Uh, what he can do, and we've heard, you know, unfortunately we haven't been able to go to the practices. We've been doing all our interviews via Zoom, but, you know, the people we've talked to have just said, man, he's he's he, nobody can guard him. I don't know if there's a cornerback in college football that consistently guard him. He's going to have to be doubled up all the time because he's, uh, he's an elite player, probably one of the top two or three wide receivers in the country, so he's going to draw a lot of attention from defenses this Saturday. Well, if you couple Terry with Marvin Wilson on the defensive side of the ball, you can make the case that uh, one if you could pick one offensive player and one defensive player in the country that are on the same team, this would be the tandem you'd pick. I mean, they're that special. Our Marvin Wilson could have himself a field day on Saturday against Georgia Tech, given what oh. you just told us about their offensive line. Yeah, Tech's uh, head coach, uh, Jeff uh, Collins, has to be having some nightmares thinking about that offensive line trying to block Marvin Wilson. The thing is, too, you mentioned him. He, you know, a lot of people have him as the top interior defensive line in the nation, but you know they, they've got unbelievable depth there. Uh, Corey Durden led the country, the most top-returning player in pressures. For interior lineman, he's back. Robert Cooper, highly regarded guy, really started playing well. Last season has dropped 60, 70 pounds since he showed up at Florida State, so he's playing at a whole new level. They got a really nice transfer, Fabian Lovett from Mississippi State, who's been tearing it up in practice, too. So that, that interior is going to go two, three deep, and that's going to keep those guys fresh the entire game. And then you bring in a guy like Josh Kando, who's a former people who follow Florida State, and he was a five-star recruit a few years ago, number one defensive end in the country. But been injured, battled all kind of issues, but he's been the MVP of uh, camp. And Coach Norvell brought in a cool tradition from from uh, Memphis, where he has a rock and he has the MVP come out, gets a sledgehammer, get the whole team surrounds him, and he gets to throw that sledgehammer down on the rock and break it. So it's kind of neat to see him do that, man. If he can live up to his potential and be a, a stud defensive end to go with that interior, man, that that front four is going to be something to watch. Yeah, Kando is a, an impressive story, a really cool story. It'd be nice to see him perform well uh, in Tallahassee here in 2020. Gene Williams from Warchant.com. We can uh, read all about the Knowles on Warchant.com. you get got uh, some good coverage coming up this weekend, I bet. Oh, yeah, it's going to be different for us, uh, you know, split between being in the press box and not. But, I mean, yeah, we've got all kind of coverage from the game. That Ash, our first time we're doing a live post-game call-in show that you can go ahead on YouTube and follow that as well. So that'll be a lot of fun getting the fan reactions. Hopefully it's a win or it could be a, could be a lot of surly people calling in. <laughs> Might get more calls if it's not a win, but yeah. uh, hopefully it <laughs> Might looks be more good. entertaining, maybe not for me. <laughs> Gene Williams, thanks for taking a few minutes, man. We appreciate the time. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. That's uh, Gene Williams from Warchant.com. And uh, the Knowles again. Uh, we are your official station for the Florida State Seminoles here in the Jacksonville area. Uh, you can listen to the game Saturday afternoon, 3.30 with Gene Deckerhoff. Uh, kickoff 3.30 against Georgia Tech right here on ESPN 690. And when I say here in Jacksonville, well, you know our signal here on ESPN 690 goes much deeper than just Jacksonville. All the way down to Melbourne, all the way up to Savannah and Charleston, South Carolina. So if you're Knowles fans along this corridor at all ESPN 690 the place to be uh, for Florida State football and for Florida State uh, uh, basketball by the way some news in out of Mike Garofalo when it comes to the Jags uh, Colts guard Quentin Nelson did not practice today because of back injury remember now the Colts offensive line is considered to be one of the best in the NFL uh, so that could be a big development didn't practice today here we are on Thursday uh, so don't get carried away with it 
but uh, something to keep an eye on uh, when you're looking at Sunday if uh, Quentin Nelson is not ready to go. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, happening. Are you going to the game on Sunday? Uh, obviously, the Jaguars have opened things up for some fans. Uh, it's a pretty wild deal here in 2020. We all know about it. We've talked about it. And what's even more wild is that on this opening weekend in the NFL, tonight the Kansas City Chiefs will have fans in the in the stands. Well, on Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars will have fans in the stands. And that's it on opening weekend in terms of fans in the stands around the league. Sunday, the Jags will be the only team around the league, unless I'm missing something, but I think I'm accurate with that. So it will be something to watch, not only tonight uh, in the broadcast, uh, Houston and, and Kansas City, but certainly on Sunday, there will be a feel in that stadium at the bank that uh, will be very unusual. And how it comes across on TV is going to be unique as well, I think. Uh, it's going to be a wild experience for everybody who's been associated with football in the NFL for a long time. And that includes Chad Johnson, Senior Vice President of Sales and Service and Chief Content Officer of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he joins us right now uh, on the phone. And I'm sure you're a busy man getting ready for Sunday. How's everything going, Chad? Well, Brent, we've been uh, planning for a long time for this. We've built an extensive plan, but you're right. We are we are running about 23 hours a day right now to get everything ready. Um, we're very confident we're going to deliver a safe experience, a good experience for our fans. And I can kind of walk you through some of that now, but I'm just excited we're sitting here talking about the fact that we will be, and you are correct, we will be the only team on Sunday of 13 NFL games that have fans in their stands, and that's a, a pretty big deal for us here in Jacksonville. Chad Johnson with us from the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, let's walk right through it now. What I, I just uh, can't even envision it and get the feel for it. What's going to be so different if you're one of the fans fortunate to go and, and wanting to go Sunday, have a ticket, uh, give us kind of a little step-by-step on the experience that they may encounter. Yeah, so there's there's changes we've made at the building, and there's changes we're going to expect from our fans. But it really starts at minute one when you arrive. We are we are socially distancing our parking, so we basically killed off half of the spaces, and that will help keep fans separate. We're, we're strongly discouraging tailgating. We do know that that's a big part of some people's game day routine, and that it will happen. And by social distancing, the parking will give them that added space. But but we're strongly discouraging that. Then when you walk up, our plan was to try to limit contact points throughout your entire experience. So the first thing we've done is purchase new magnetometers that have the technology that allow you to keep your cell phone on your person, your keys, walk through with your clear bag. So no longer having to take those out, set them on a table, and have a, a touch um, screening process. So you'll eliminate that contact point. Then we've been purchasing um, self-standing ticket scanning kiosks. So you will be able to walk up and scan your own ticket at a self-standing kiosk as opposed to a human being. Then we've invested in technology that will allow you to order food and beverage from your seat. So through the Jaguars app, you'll go right in, you'll click on the food ordering link. You can choose your seat location and therefore the concession stands around you order your food and drink. Then it'll give you a QR code where you can go up to the concession stand and your food will be waiting for you and therefore avoiding contact again. Then we've gone completely cashless in the stadium. So we've implemented a new mobile payment system called Jags Pay, which will allow you to pay for anything in the stadium 
whether it's merchandise, food and beverage, et cetera, and so there'll be no cash. In order to accommodate those few people that may come with only cash, we've had to purchase some prepaid debit card machines, so you'll be able to go exchange that cash for a debit card to use at the stands, but we, we are hoping that that's a limited amount as well. Um, you will have to wear your mask the entire time that you're in the stadium, and that's the that's the biggest ask of our fans here. That's where we're we're all in this together. And Brent, you've you've seen it at practice, and in some of the uh, opportunities you guys have had, that we're going to need our fans to understand we're all in this together, and that we'll need them to keep their mask on unless actively um, eating and drinking. And then the the next level that we brought in is is something new for us. We have a new level of disinfectant specialists who are a group of people that are going through a specific training. They will be very visible with vests and they are strictly walking around the stadium, um, disinfecting all touch points. So whether it be a handrail, a door handle, um, a table you might use to eat your food and beverage where they'll immediately come and disinfect that. That's a whole new level that is important for our fans to see. So a lot of investment to doing this, to make this building safe. A lot of these things, though, are great fan amenities for the future in a post-COVID world, right? Mm. Ordering food and drink from your seats is a great amenity to have forever. So we think that some of these changes are are long-term, not just COVID-related. Yeah, I think the organization and, and folks like Chad Johnson, who's joined us here on ESPN 69, should be applauded for this. I mean, it's it, the easy way out would have been said, no fans, uh, this is too difficult, uh, it's too costly, it's too everything. Uh, instead, uh, trying to find a solution instead, and I know there's a lot of work that gets – you guys won't get a lot of love for it. Uh, there won't be fans patting you on the back, but uh, I'll do it uh, because I, I know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and, and you guys are doing a lot of good work and kind of can't wait for it to see it uh, work out on Sunday, and hopefully everything goes smoothly chad johnson senior vice president of sales and service and chief content officer on top of that chad and and thanks for the illustration of what it will be like for a fan like you said the mask wearing is the thing you real the fans got to buy in i mean what we're seeing in this football yep. team is the players have to buy into it right they're, they're not sequestered they're not in a bubble but they got to buy in they got to do the right things take care of themselves take care of everybody else around them so you can play football on sundays and in this sense the fan has to do that as well i gotta believe tonight in kansas city the nfl is watching and the nfl will be calling them tomorrow and asking how did it go and what went right and and what could we do better i gotta believe on sunday here in jacksonville the nfl is watching and on monday you'll get that kind of phone call how much do you feel that 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 other teams other organizations and the nfl itself is kind of watching what you're doing since you guys are the only two on this opening weekend that have fans in the stands well i can tell you two things one we've had a series of test events that, that many people may not be aware of. We've had our sister company, All Elite Wrestling, in Daly's Place, that we've hosted three events with fans. We've had seven different high school graduations we hosted that were up to 2,500 people. So we've been able to watch the fan behavior with the masks and things, and, and people are very, um, they're, they're following the process, and they're buying in there. But to your second point, many teams across the league are actually coming to attend our game. Wow. So that tells you how they're looking at that. You know, folks from other teams are coming to watch our execution, to see these practices in play, to see how fans behave, so they hopefully can take something back to their facilities and get 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 on track to having fans themselves. So um, a lot of downloading with our peers to get to this point. But there was never one instance that we didn't focus on having fans. There was not a plan that said let's not have fans. 
It was important for us in Jacksonville. Our fans are so loyal and important to supporting our organization that we knew it was important to get this back here and that we were one of those few teams. So we're just now excited to, uh, to execute on Sunday. Chad Johnson with us, Senior Vice President of Sales and Service and Chief Content Officer. They put a lot of work into this uh, to get the, to game day here on Sunday, and, and we're almost here. Uh, there's a little pressure on you guys with everybody watching, let's be honest, uh, and, and I'm sure you know that, uh, and I'm sure you're also confident in what you guys have done. Uh, can you take us behind the scenes for one more moment and, and let us know if this exists or not? But I would imagine the NFL has its own set of protocols. Everybody came together and said, okay, we're going to have to do this, 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 and this. Were you allowed to come up with more protocols, more things uh, to be either creative or take the extra step to be secure? Uh, I got to believe there were so many ideas bounced around over the last few months. But did you have some flexibility there to maybe even do more than the initial protocols were put in place? We did, yes. So, in fact, some of the steps we've taken are outside and above and beyond the NFL protocol. So there's a document the league has provided us that we've checked off the box of everything, and then we created a 200-page document that basically is our plan of what we're doing. So mobile ordering is not a requirement. New, new magnetometers are not a requirement. So in many of those cases, we went well above and beyond what we knew we needed to do to be safe, to be sanitary and be you know accessible to our fans um but like i said some of those have long shelf life so it'll be great benefits for the long term for us so we've been working behind the scenes with a lot of different partners and that's the key we had to get everybody rowing in the same direction whether it be our vendors in the building whether it be the city of jacksonville and their leadership and then our internal group and uh, that's what i'm probably most proud of is how well all these groups worked together to deliver the one common goal, which is a safe experience for Jaguar fans in the stadium. Well, I hope it goes smooth for you on Sunday, man. Looking forward to seeing what it looks like, and I know uh, the rest of the NFL is watching as well. Chad Johnson, nice work to get to this point. I hope you have a great day on Sunday. Well, Brent, looking forward to seeing you. You bet. Chad Johnson, Senior Vice President of Sales and Service and Chief Content Officer for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I tell you what, I, I mean what I said, too. I mean, these the folks behind the scenes putting this stuff together and the amount of dollars invested to make it happen, I don't know what it is, but it's got to be mind-boggling. And Chad just mentioned, I mean, a 200-page, basically, checklist is what they've put together. Uh, you really, you you've got to dig under every stone and and play every sequence out and scenario out to make sure the fans are safe and you're opening your doors and and you do things right um because the downside of that in this in a pandemic could obviously be illness but also uh some really bad publicity and, and you don't want that so a lot of pressure uh on when you open your doors up and it sounds like chad johnson and the jaguars are ready to roll i will say this I've been over to the stadium a couple of times, one for the scrimmage, but also we've been doing Jaguars All Access, and I'll be over there tonight, 7 o'clock, Fox 30. Uh, you can watch Jaguars All Access. And just some of the technology that you use to get your temperature taken and some of the things that you have to go through just for us to get into, we're going to the uh, – we're hosting the show from the east side um, clubhouse. And so we're far away from where the players would be and everything else, uh, not even coming in close contact at all. Uh, but just some of the things you have to do just to get in the stadium to make sure everything is sanitary and uh, along the lines they should be, you can already see it in place. So I imagine uh, Sunday game day uh, will be pretty good. And I also will say this, the Jaguars out on the practice field, we've been out there. 
I think the Jags players, I said this at the early part of camp, got used to this quick. I think they acclimated very nicely. Uh, it became the new norm quickly. I don't know if fans will do that as quickly. I think that will be a struggle at times for the fans that are going. It's just so unique. Uh, and even keeping the masks on, uh, you're going to have to do it, and you got to buy into that, and it's hot. Yes, it will be. So there's some things uh, that will will be a little bit of a process to get adjusted to. Um, but the football team looks like they've adjusted well. Obviously, the operations folks have for the Jaguars, and now we'll see if the fans do uh, as well, the ones that go on Sunday. You can, of course, watch the game at 1 o'clock on CBS 47 if you're not going to the stadium on Sunday afternoon. We're going to take a timeout. We come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls along, and somewhere rolling along is Austin Lane. On his way to Charleston, South Carolina. I wonder if he's like listening to the show. If he can get us, I always want to do that check. It's like, can you can you hear us? Because like on. Nick, heard, where did Nick hear us from? Down in Deland, Deland. right? He gave, he's he was like 120 miles away, which I didn't know Deland would be that far from the station. Yeah. But 120 miles away, and he heard us loud and clear on ESPN 690. I remember getting on 17 in South Carolina, and I think I could hear us. Still here. Yeah. I remember being at the gates of Disney. Now it wasn't crystal clear, but the gates of Disney. And we could still hear a little bit. Gainesville, you can hear it. Out west, you can hear it. It's a big signal. Tune it in. ESPN 690. Austin Lane joins us next. Fight weekend for him. We got predictions. More of them coming up next on ESPN 690. Martino. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've been more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think he's doing a great job uh, stepping up and being a, a vocal leader on, on the field, getting guys pumped up for practice. Uh, I can't wait to see him on game day. Um, and you can tell he takes his job, he takes his craft extremely seriously, and he gets the other guys uh, on the defense to go along with them, um, whether it's staying after practice, working on extra moves, or uh, talking after meetings, just to make sure everybody's uh, dotting their I's, crossing their T's. Um, he's, he does a good job with all that stuff. That is Joe Schobert, Jaguars middle linebacker. Kind of excited to watch Schobert play. Makes a lot of plays in practice. Does that translate? And does it make Miles Jack better? Isn't that crazy? Like, I feel like I'm more excited, and, and with all due respect to Joe Schobert, I feel like I'm more excited to watch Joe Schobert play football on Sunday, not to see Joe Schobert, but to see what kind of impact that could leave for Miles Jack, and maybe we get the best out of Miles Jack. Does that make sense? Not everything I do say does, so just checking. <laughs> but I am excited to see if Miles Jack can play his best football in a Jags uniform consistently this year. And I think Joe Schobert has a lot to do uh, with that. Well, he usually sits next to me, hosts the show. But then right now, he's going to join us like as a guest. Go to the phone lines. And we welcome in Austin Lane, who might be in Charleston, South Carolina by now, or at least on his way. Update us. Where are you? Brent, what's up, man? I'm in Charleston County about... 20 minutes away from Charleston. So I'm not really sure how that works or anything, but, yeah, I'm about 20 minutes away from Charleston right now. All right, we got a fight on Saturday, Saturday night. What time will you hit the cage? Not the ring, the cage. Yeah, <laughs> off to a good start, man. Nice job. Uh, I'm probably going to, like, 
by the time I go on, it should probably be 9.30 to 10 o'clock or so. All right. Uh, so it's a long wait. When's the anxiety yeah. start to hit in? Man, the morning I wake up a little bit. Then I'll, you know, I'll probably watch some cartoons, watch a movie, something like that. Anxiety goes away. And then as you start to make that drive, you know, like when you start to make that drive to the venue, you start playing that music a little bit. Uh, that's when the anxiety starts to, starts to ramp up a little bit again, you know. But obviously, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. It all depends how you use it. Hey, uh, what what's on the line in this one for you? I, I think it's hard to sometimes follow everything. Um, yeah. You, you lost the last time out. I think that one was in Dallas. So Correct. where are you at on the ladder, on the climb? Uh, I was asking, you, why the heck are you still doing this? Uh, and the, <laughs> uh, why, I, I, I just ask. I mean, I wouldn't do it. Oh no! But, I mean, hey, I'm sure you and my wife and my mom would probably yeah. love to go as well. So yeah. you're uh, you're in pretty good company right now. But where is this? <laughs> what does this fight mean for you and your career yeah. uh, and everything else? Uh, kind of let everybody else in. We don't talk about it a lot, probably not enough. But where are you at? Yeah. Well, so you know, from the physical sense, I mean, this fight means that I can, I can become the Warfare MMA champion. And Warfare MMA, you know, they're they're pretty well known on the East Coast. Um, they're a pretty big regional scene. I fought for them before. Actually, the last fight that I fought for them um, after I won that fight is when I got the call from the UFC to go on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, so, they are a pretty well-known organization. This is for, for the title. So, it's five rounds, five minutes. Um, it's going to be a t- title fight. So, obviously, getting a belt, bringing it back to the studio, cluttering up our desk again, you know, like so that's something I'm into, obviously. But then as well, um, from a personal standpoint, and not really a physical standpoint, it's just it's my opportunity to take what I learned from that last fight. Obviously, it didn't go my way. It was a bummer. It's an opportunity to, to go back out there, show what I've learned, have some fun, um, and just, you know, like, like I always say, express myself through fighting. I mean, that's, that's why I do this thing in the first place. Um, I love those nerves. I, I love just, you know, that sound of the cage getting locked in. And it's just me and another guy. Um, there's not quite another feeling like it. So uh, I'm all for those moments, man, and I, and I can't wait to experience it on Saturday. All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Can't wait to, to kind of see it. You'll have to share the link, and I'll share the link and how we can watch yeah. it and all those good things. Uh, but uh, looking forward to a W, another belt, and big victories all weekend long from you, the Jags, and everybody else. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, some some might be considered underdogs. I'm not saying I'm the underdog, but I'm just saying – Maybe the Jaguars a little bit are the underdog, but you never know, Brett. You never know. Well, I can guarantee you this, okay? I have no idea about the dude you're fighting, but yeah. there's no way in hell you're as big of an underdog as the Jags are Sunday against the Colts. <laughs> For sure. Rightfully <laughs> so, so, too. <laughs> no, listen, right now, if we said that Austin Lane wins the fight Saturday or the Jags win the game Sunday, I know yeah. what would win the poll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, and I'm not going to lie, too. I mean, I was listening to, like, the, the first 30 minutes of the show, and it was fantastic, man. I've, I I enjoyed, like, I think it was your six steps to a s- successful season, and, and you weren't really off at all, man. Like, th- those all made sense. Now, obviously, it takes a lot of luck to, to be able to do that, but I like the, the good vibes that you're bringing to the table. Well, I appreciate it. I, you know, had to sneak some sunshine rainbows in here, uh, put a little yeah. drop in the pail while you were away. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, get, I had to do that here on a Thursday. All right. Hey, let's, uh, 
I, I want. I do have a Jags comment and thought because we haven't got to this this week, and I want to ask you about something. Yeah. Josh Allen, I think, just was talking to the media kind of late today, but he was talking to the media. And Josh Allen, remember we were talking earlier in the week how all these guys take shots at the Jags as they leave, and that was a yeah. big conversation point. Ronnie Harrison, the latest to do it. Um, but man, oh man, did Josh Allen. It was cool to see him on social media say, I, I love you, Duval, basically is what he said. I don't know exactly what he said, but you get it. He was like, I want to be yeah. here. I'm glad to be here. And yeah. I love you. I mean, if, if anybody needed a hug, it was Jags fans after the last 10 days and really 10 years. But Josh Listen. Allen provided that <laughs> hug, man. I mean, that was that seemed like a big moment for Josh Allen and for the Jags. He's just a second-year guy. No, it was huge, Brent. It, it was absolutely – it was um, it was a genius tweet. It's exactly what Jaguars fans did. Because let's be honest right now. And this goes back to week one of last year, right? I mean, this team has been surrounded by bad optics. And let's be honest, I'm sure Jaguars fans are probably sick and tired of that. I'm sure Jaguars fans are tired of going on ESPN and they're talking bad about the franchise. They're tired of players leaving and talking bad about the franchise. They're tired of Jalen Ramsey making all this money, talking bad about the franchise. Like, Jaguars fans are fed up. And it's almost like they're like an abandoned puppy, right? Like, where it seems like nobody loves them. Like, they're, they're just kind of on their own. They're sitting in that kennel. And all of a sudden, here comes Josh Allen with one tweet. And Josh Allen adopts you. He puts you in a great home. He gives you all the treats that you want. And now all of a sudden life is good like that's the equivalent i think right now to what josh allen did after one tweet where it's like after all the crap the jaguars fans have been through it's good to know that uh a high caliber player number one but also a high caliber person number two has the jaguars back he's a good dude and he's a he's a mature guy and i've said this since the day i met him at uh, in Nashville for the draft, that I felt like he he was older than he is, older than his rookie status. And quite frankly, he played like it last year, and I think he carries himself that way. He's a young man who uh, has a couple of young kids and, and a wife, and, uh, you know, he just – He's got a family already at such a young age and just year two in the NFL. I don't know if yeah. that contributes to it. Maybe he's always been mature. I mean, we only go back with Josh Allen for a year, but he just seems to get it. You talk about a guy who seemed to soak up everything that Calais Campbell shared, uh, the wisdom of Calais Campbell, and he embraced mm -hmm. Calais Campbell's wisdom. And I would say even being around Jan, although it wasn't probably as long as we all thought it would be, um, I bet Jan shared some of that wisdom. This is a guy who does seem to get it, and he wants that on his back, right? He wants yeah. to be the guy, and this is what we were talking about the other day. When, when those guys that left, they were tasked with trying to turn this thing around. And you know what? They did it for a year, but that's all they could do. So they didn't get it done completely. Was it all on them? Probably not. But they didn't get it done. Now Josh Allen is one of the guys will be tasked over the next however many years with trying to turn this thing around. And it's almost like he's saying, bring it on. I got you, Duval. I got you, Jags fans. We're going to turn it around, and I'm going to be the guy that spearheads it. Yeah, I mean, a few things about Josh Allen. Like, First of all, I'm not sure if the family's got something to do with it of why he's mature. I'm not sure if that's just from his parents, his upbringing, or just being a family man himself. I mean, the guy should be celebrated for even having a couple kids right now going in your second year in the NFL because there's no way I was probably going to be able to swing that my second year going to the NFL. So props to Josh Allen for doing well, that. Well, the Beach Bars but, would have lost a lot of business, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. They'd probably be out of business right now <laughs> uh, as we're talking here. But 
I'm going to say this about Josh Allen. We knew he was a freak of nature coming out of college. I mean, obviously, if you saw his sack totals, you, you, you knew that. And you watched him on tape, you knew he could be something special. He comes out his rookie year, and he dominates. Kind of like we expected. I think he kind of um, overreached expectations, to tell you the truth. But the difference was that, guess what? He had Calais Campbell here to kind of show him the way. Now, now don't, get me, don't get it twisted. I think Josh Allen was always going to be on the right path regardless of who was teaching him. But he had a guy in Calais Campbell to kind of show him the ropes a little bit. And then when Calais was gone now, obviously it's Josh Allen's team. Like, it's very rare for a guy to come in the NFL day one, take over, dominate, remain humble, and still be willing to work, right? It's almost like the Jalen Ramsey effect. When Jalen Ramsey came to town, he didn't have Rasheed Mathis. You know, he, he didn't have Don Carey. He didn't have these veterans to kind of show him the ropes a little bit. All Jalen Ramsey essentially had was made probably himself. And guess what? He played good right off the get-go. So he had no one really to show him the way. All he had was his instincts. All he had was his skill set, which was fantastic, obviously. Just became the highest-paid corner in the NFL. But my point is Josh Allen had that guy. He had that guy to groom him a little bit. And you can see with Josh Allen's press conferences, you can see with his tweets, the guy is still remaining humble and still trying to get better, and that's what you want to see out of a leader of a team. Yeah, I can't wait to see where his career goes, man. It's going to be a good – I think it's going to be a big year for him. I think he's just that talented. He's that good. He's that locked in. He's that focused. Uh, in fact, it's going to lead into some predictions that we have. He, he could be on this list by next year, and that is Defensive Player of the Year. He could be somebody that's considered. Uh, right now, I'm, I pulled up something. A defensive Player of the Year odds, like Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, T.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Stephon Gilmore, Jadavion Clowney. Really? Clowney's on it? Miles Garrett. Uh, those guys yeah. are on this list. Uh, and, and there's probably a lot in between as well. But I would think uh, – I think Josh Allen could be a guy that you go into the season thinking his name should be on this list, and that could happen as soon as next year. Now, we'll need a big year. Uh, in the meantime, to make it happen. So let's not keep you for too long. We did a lot of predictions yesterday. Uh, let's begin there. Defensive Player of the Year. Do you have a favorite uh, that you think could win that award? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, usually this is going to be a defensive lineman just because of stats. It's a, it's a stat-driven award. Um, yeah, maybe there's a couple corners out there, but I'm definitely going defensive line. I get the Aaron Donald hype, obviously. Uh T.J. Watt's a hot name because he seems to keep on progressing and progressing, playing in Pittsburgh with a fantastic defense and probably a pretty good offense this year as well. I'm going to go with a little bit of a sleeper. And you mentioned his name, but I don't think a lot of people are talking about him just from what transpired last year. But people forget how good this guy is. He just got paid as one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. I'll take a Miles Garrett. I thought you were going to go with my guy. I mean, you just like kind of read the description other than what happened last year type of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah. So you go Miles Garrett. And he just got yeah. paid handsomely, by the way. Yeah. I'm going with Joey Bosa. Ah, okay. You know, okay. Nick Bosa stole all the headlines last year, and he, he's yep. darn good. And uh, obviously Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. If you want to go chalk, go Aaron Donald. But come on, somebody else got to win this award sooner or later. But <laughs> on the odds that I saw, by the way, J.J. Watt was like 10-1 to 1 or 11-1 to 1 odds. Doesn't that seem high for J.J. Watt? A little bit. Absolutely. I mean, and this is kind of the J.J. Watt infatuation. Like, listen. Nothing against J.J. Watt. I mean, fantastic human being and, and a heck of a football player. But, I mean, what, what have the last couple of years showed us, though, Brent? You know, I, I just don't see the infatuation with J.J. Watt after those injuries and things like that, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, okay, let's go on the other side of the ball and uh, offensive player of the year. Yeah, well, 
you know, I mean, I, I could say Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be my MVP of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So obviously, I need Patrick Mahomes to have a great year, which I think he should. But if we're not counting Patrick Mahomes, I got to go with more, maybe a dark horse. I'm not sure what people are talking about him. I'm going Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley last year, he was out a couple uh, games, had a little bit of an injury. But for what he was able to do in the time that he was in, the, the numbers are outstanding. Now, he gets lost in the shuffle because you had Christian McCaffrey doing his thing in Carolina. And, you know, obviously the Giants last year were disappointing. But I think this year, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit, you think the Giants are going to turn it around? And I think if you want to turn it around, you need Saquon Barkley. The guy's a freak of nature. He's got, like, LaVisca Chenault-like, um, you know, legs, if you will. And I think with that being said, man, he's too big of a freak uh, not to do well this year. So I'm taking Saquon Barkley. Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of different ways to go here. Uh, I mean, that was one thing about doing fantasy football draft last night. There are a lot of good <laughs> players in the NFL. Seriously, there are a lot yeah. of good – players on offense in the NFL. I mean, even quarterbacks, there's so many, but the running back, the running backs aren't as deep, but the receiver list is really strong and long. And I mean, Michael Thomas, I think, won this award last year, right? Uh, for at least a lot of publications, he would have been in, sure. in the running to do so. Uh, Mahomes would be right up here. I was actually thinking of uh, Drew Brees for this award. Yeah, and I'm going to take Drew Brees winning the award in a big year because I, like you, have um, the Saints going far. So I'm going to take yeah. Drew Brees, Offensive Player of the Year. All right, so MVP, you got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I have Patrick Mahomes. Once again, it's kind of like the Tom Brady thing in Tampa. I think like it's just that offense right now in Kansas City. It's too big to fail. I do think though that the Houston game tonight is going to be closer than what people are saying. I'm not really sure like what the point spread is or whatever like that. Nine but points, I think. Oh, it's the, oh yeah. So then go ahead and I mean, if I was going to bet on it, I'd definitely bet the uh, I bet with the Texans with it, the points, or whatever. I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect. But overall, I just think the, that they're too loaded, too much speed, too many weapons. You can't stop everything. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to shine this year. You know, I almost put Philip Rivers down for my MVP. It would make sense if, if you got the Colts going to the Super Bowl. But I'm going to do something else because sometimes I'm a day late and a dollar short on things. <laughs> and last year I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. What about yeah. Dak Prescott winning the MVP after taking and not complaining about the franchise tag? And by the way, it's not much to complain about $34 million. But then Jerry Jones be on the hook, and he should have got the deal done this year instead of next year. I'm going to yeah. take Dak Prescott for the MVP here well, in, you know, uh, in 2020. Well, it's a pretty solid point because, like you said, I mean, $34 million is nothing to shake at. But this could be kind of a prove-it season for Dak Prescott as well, right? Because one would think that if he becomes MVP or at least plays at a Pro Bowl type of level, I mean, then you have to pay him. Like, you have to make him the franchise because the longer you carry this out, if you're Jerry Jones, I think the worse it's going to be for management. So, not a bad pick, Brent. By the way, I have not been much of a Dak believer over the years. And I just named him my MVP in prediction. So that, for the neighbors, is a big time ring the bell. Absolutely. I mean, or hit me over the head with the bell. One of the two. Uh, all right. Last two, and then we'll let you go. Overrated, underrated teams. Who's overrated? Man, so for my overrated team, uh, you know, it, th th this is a hard one because – I want to say San Francisco, right? But San Francisco does everything that I preach. They stop the run. They run the football. So I'm not going to talk against myself at all. So I like San Francisco. I honestly think, and I have them going to the wild card, 
and I, I said they're, they're too big to fail, but I think Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay playing the division with the Falcons, playing the division with the Saints, I think that people are expecting them to win 12, 13 maybe games. I can see them maybe winning 9, 10 at the very most, obviously still getting the playoffs, but I think that expectations are a little too high right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, that's a good call, man. I had him not even making the playoffs yesterday. How about that? Uh, so I probably should go there. I'm going to go with somebody else who I think is overrated. People have locked into the AFC Championship game, Kansas City against the Baltimore Ravens. I think they've got them locked in. I, I honestly would bet, maybe not my house because I've lost a couple, that both those teams don't even make the AFC Championship game. I'm going to say overrated is the Ravens this year. And I'm sorry, Calais, but I'm going to say overrated, the Ravens. How about underrated? Underrated, you know. Obviously, I can throw the Cardinals out there. I've been on the Kyler Murray, yeah. but but that's super boring. You know what? I'm going to go with the super dark horse. We talked about it a little bit. I want to elaborate a little more though. Go ahead and give me the Detroit Lions. I think this is a make or break year for Matt Patricia, a very defensive minded coach. In my opinion, probably played Patrick Mahomes better than anybody last year. So he's got some credentials. He's got some staff on that defense to make some noise. They bring in Jeff Okuda. Everyone's raving about him. You bring in DeAndre Swift. Maybe they they can finally get a running back that can gain over 100 yards in a game. But to me, it relies on Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has Kenny Galladay, who's kind of coming into his own now, trying to to be like that bona fide premier number one wide receiver. But they also have Marvin Jones, who's definitely underrated as a two receiver. And you got a good slot receiver in Amendola. I like what the Lions have. I think in a year where the Bears are going to be struggling, I think in a year where the Packers could be a little overrated, I think the Lions, once again, May not make the playoffs, but could be on the fringe of making the playoffs and actually doing better than expectations this year. Yeah, Galladay, by the way, I think he hurt his hamstring in practice today, so keep an eye on that. But that might just yeah. be like a, a week one, week two type of thing. Uh, underrated, you know they won 13 games last year, and they could be underrated because I love Wisconsin, remember, and Austin doesn't. That's the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. But I'm not going to oh, name them. I get those endorsement deals. It's going out of style. <laughs> I'm Unbelievable. Not gonna, I'm not going to name. Them. I'm going to. I had the Giants sleeper team making the playoffs, and they're going to be my yeah. underrated team of 2020. All right, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk more about the fight coming up. But thanks for uh, stopping in for a few minutes for some more predictions. We only bring you in when it's time to gamble, I guess. <laughs> I guess so, man. What does that say about me? But I appreciate you having me on, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Go get some seafood in Charleston. Well. Oh, absolutely, man. Hey, and, and you keep pumping that sunshine and some rainbows, all right? All right, I'm carrying the pail here. Carrying the pail here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. When we come back, Skip Bayless is a clown. He's a joke. Why? I'll tell you next on ESPN 690.